Welcome to another episode of Simply Bitcoin IRL. I fixed my internet. Um, I don't know what happened, but uh, it looks like 15 minutes before Simply Bitcoin Live this morning, uh, someone backed up into the internet box and my internet went down. Um, so I had to come to my girlfriend's house. This is where I am today. Um, I'm going to be here for the rest of the weekend till they, to get that fixed. But today we have a very special guest. We have Eric Kasson. But before I introduce him, I want to give a shout out to the awesome Bitcoin company that powers the show, makes the show possible, swanbitcoin.com. The best place to buy Bitcoin. Um, best place to build your Bitcoin stack with automated Bitcoin savings plans and instant purchases. Serving clients of any size from $10 to $10 million. You guys have to check out swanbitcoin.com. Built by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. Anyway, I want to introduce my awesome guest. He is very well known for his epic monologues um, and and rants and just going at it. So uh, let's just uh, let's just dive deep into it, man. Um, Eric, vindication, my Eric, vindication, my friend, vindication for the Bitcoin maxis. Uh, we got so much crap. Um, I I hope. They're hard to find, but I hope that those videos of Alex Mashinsky, the CEO of uh, Celsius, get saved um, of him oh, saying, yeah, they oh, will. they shouldn't take self-custody. Self-custody is a bad thing. And uh, shout out also, shout out to uh, Corey Clipson, man, doing the Lord's work, doing Satoshi's work, man, uh, saving so many people. So uh, what are your thoughts on all this, man? Because I feel like it's vindication, but it's also bittersweet. Right. You know, you do get cheaper sats, you get opportunity to buy cheaper Bitcoin. But at the same time, the reality is, you know, whichever which way you see it. Right. We all have seen our net worth drop by 77 percent in the last year. Um, and, you know, it, it is what it is. But uh, how are you feeling about this, bro? Are, are you I'm feeling bullish. How are you feel? Oh, I, I I feel great. I mean, you know, a, a long time ago, I figured out for myself the there's a dynamic cycle that goes through between bear and bull markets. And if you've been here long enough, you know, to estimate that like a, a four year cycle is not unexpected. And so like, if you plan accordingly, which I, I had, cause I've witnessed this before I'm doing great. And like right now is uh, I think it's a great time to be building, deploying credit lines. If you have those available to you for reasonable costs, you know, uh, and, and general prudence, but this is a, a great opportunity where, you know, I figure in five years from now, there will be people who are like, yeah, when the price was like at 16K, I was just gathering my stats that could leveraging debt because like I just knew it was going to happen. And lo and behold, it did because like, look at how epically fucked things are across the board, you know, like uh, Bankman Fraud's parents, legal professors, like, like two Ivy League schools, like helping direct crypto policy, like they... They took a $120 million mansion in the Bahamas. Like, like what's amazing is that like this moron had access to Bitcoin too. They could have like, like they could have figured something out to like get all the Bitcoin. And these like dumb motherfuckers were like, let's get luxury real estate. That's uh, this is gonna go great with all of our fraud that we're conducting. <laughs> um, I, I gotta oh. just chalk it up to math, man. Like math, does, like math does crazy shit to people. So yes, it, yes, it does. And they all seem to, you know, and they're like, but a doctor prescribed our meds, so it must be okay. No, it's oh like math still. 
Which, like, like, sure, meth can help you do some things, but, like, I don't know if you should be running one of the world's largest financial <laughs> crypto exchanges when you're, like, methed out. Like, maybe you should just stick to some other occupations. Dude, I mean, how crazy was that, bro? I, I, so we, for, you know, for the regular show, for Simply Bitcoin Live, which you've been on, of course, um, we were covering it and it was the news is so atrocious because you have you also like hear the horror stories of people losing their life savings because, you know, they didn't, they haven't learned the lesson of self-custody yet. But um, you're hearing about the penthouse and the parties that they were throwing in the penthouse and what you, what you were saying about the luxury real estate. And then this dude was like the perception in the media was that this guy was an altruist and that he didn't own anything. And then he just drove a Toyota and that he was just this humble guy. And then you hear about, you know, the, the drugs and the parties and the orgies at the penthouse. And apparently they own a yacht, $121 million in real estate. So this like it, what it tells me, Eric, is that crypto, right, it is just fiat times a hundred times a thousand. Because uh, you're seeing kind of the Wolf of Wall Street story just repeat itself. Um with even less guardrails and the degeneracy and the debauchery is just times 10. Of course, you know, from the perspective of a, a Bitcoiners that are taking Bitcoin to self-custody, we're just looking in entertainment and we're kind of laughing about it. But a lot of people got hurt, bro. A lot of people got wrecked, man. Yeah, like this is the unfortunate consequence that, you, you know, if you would have been listening to us for a while, you would sort of know that this would be expected. And, and furthermore, like, yeah, of course, it's going to end up, you know, like the worst of Wall Street times 100, because like now you can make you can fictionalize your own token out of thin air that you can ascribe your own value to that you can offshore through various legal means. You know, and like the I, I had a little tweet storm a little while ago about like, the sort of banality of evil that's playing out here, because like, like to me, what he represents is a very particular kind of evil. And it's that that which happens kind of in a post nihilistic world where people go well like you know there is no good there's no evil so like why shouldn't i just get all the money that i want to push the agenda that i want you know and it's pretty scary to see the way that when people have approached him about the ethics of well you you were doing something wrong you were stealing from people you're committing fraud that that doesn't it doesn't shake him as being wrong because he was doing something for the greater good and this was like literally the argument that i made during his trial you know for participating in the holocaust you know, like he didn't think he, he did anything wrong. Like he was just obeying the rules and the laws and playing playing the game how it had to be played. So so why was he to be blamed, right? So you said something really interesting, and I I I can't wait to kind of dive deep into this this topic. Um, which is this post nihilistic world. You know, you can kind of combine that with post modernism and all that. And I kind of contribute that to the decadence in the West, right? And I also believe that all these ideologies and all these belief systems are only viable with fake money, with fiat money. I, I don't think that these ways of thinking and these ideologies or these ways of looking at the world are viable under a Bitcoin standard. You get wrecked. Um, I think that yep. you need fake money in order to think this way. And... The way how far that skewed people's thinking and all the atrocities that come with it, too. Right. Um, yeah. 
I mean, you, something... you've actually, you, you've touched on a really important narrative that like essentially sensed the production of fiat money and the way that it essentially allowed for an ongoing scam and fraud to be like the fundamental development of the West through, you know, the idea of GDP and growth and all these other things. The development of that economy was specifically one that is intrinsically tied to war and genocide because of the way that like this was done in order to finance the war machine. Once the war machine got itself up into power, it became the military industrial complex, which Eisenhower warned us against. And like, you know, that was like almost 60 years ago now. And the entirety of this economic development of science, scientific technological development, postmodernism, uh, overconsumptionism, uh, and, and the destruction of communities on a whole and reforming them in suburbia and these other things, like is the fundamental development of fiatism. And it's made to destroy people in a very particular way in order to homogenize them for statism, uh, which I have an essay about this called The Sovereign, the Subject and, and Crypto Power. And essentially like, th this is the state's ultimate goal is to be able to have full and total control over everyone because it can and it demands that. It, it has a strong desire to be able to control people. And particularly now that we have all these insane technological, like the, the fact that we're dealing with data sets as large as they are and that those can be used for monitoring and surveil means that essentially the state's building a panopticon. And that was only possible through fiatism and the development of this uh, really deplorable culture that, that, that develops from the, the the generational building on top of this kind of uh, gluttony and non-ethical stance, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. A hundred percent. I think you, you really hit the nail on the head. I, I really see it as decadence. And if the unit of account that you're using is disconnected from reality and it gives a perception of, and there's all, there's huge political parties and political ideologies that are based on the concept of being able to create money for free to hand out to other people in order to kind of remain in power, right? Um, and, and, and that money isn't free. It's based on coercion because it's theft. They're stealing it from other people because that's what inflation is. It's a wealth redistribution mechanism. Um, and it's fascinating how much that affects the human psyche. And being at Bitcoin for... You know, for what you, you you know that 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 saying, Eric. We've said it. You know, some Bitcoiners saying oh, that there is no end to the Bitcoin rabbit hole. But what I can tell you is that how it changes people, um, and I would say it changes people for the better. It's almost as if when the incentives are aligned, um, the best of human nature gets brought up, um, yeah. and it's really interesting because with crypto, which has all the shortcomings of fiat you see the worst of human nature also getting brought up, but magnified by 1000. So what are your thoughts on that, man? What, it, uh, maybe I'm stretching it, but. No, no, this is all like the, the very fact that the word like crypto itself means secret, but like, and, and you can prefix crypto on things to say like somebody's a crypto fascist, like they're, they're secretly a fascist. And so like, but the fact that this is crypto without any sort of a prefix, it, it, it sort of points to its own uh, illogicalness. You know, like the, the secret nature of why cryptography is at the heart of these systems and why it's important is like lost on these people that like don't even understand that sort of etymological linkage to it. And, and I just find it, 
like it, it's no wonder to me that the scammers people are going to come to crypto because well not only like the production of these tokens is fundamentally better than fiat and it is a whole different scam but like this is also the wild west like the state the state hasn't figured this place out yet and of course there's going to be a bunch of near dwellers that are going to come and try to colonize this place as well and bitcoiners have done a good job distancing themselves uh both in bull and bear markets specifically. And I think particularly going through a brutal bear market and being like, hey, we've always distanced ourselves from these assholes uh, has, has been a pretty healthy thing. Um, and what was the, the, the second part of that question? I don't know, man. I'm just kind of just losing myself in train of thought. Um, okay. Yeah, it, me, was me about, <laughs> it was about... Um, it was about... It was about that bitcoin brings out the best the best in human nature uh, yeah 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 okay, yeah so so that to me like essentially what's happening like we're we're rediscovering what the truth actually is and like that it has fundamental meaning in the world like and this is the best part is that like it's not just that we're rediscovering truth but that we're that rediscovery of truth in our post nihilistic world that's like essentially a, a fundamental version of hell we're learning that like the good actually exists. God damn it. There's this fucking mosquito here. Uh, I think I killed it. So I'll just continue my rant. Um, that essentially we've rediscovered the good and that good is nested inside of truth. Like when we unveil the truth, like it, it happens to actually be the good. And that's a really important facet of understanding what it means to be human in a post nihilistic world, because like, that's what allows for the, the Sam Bakeman frauds to exist. Like they don't, they don't think there is a good or an evil or that, that there's a, a subjective way to approach the world that could have you arrive at a capital T truth. They just think it's all lowercase subjective. He thinks he's doing the right thing. So it is the right thing, you know? And I think that's why we're seeing the good come out from people's discovery of Bitcoin. And, and I can speak to my own case, you know, along with probably dozens of others at this point that share there's this monumental event where you realize that the the logical concourse that is built on top of Bitcoin and the importance of that logic in a state-based violent world where like any of us can be labeled as an enemy combatant and vanished and put outside of the law for any reason, that this becomes not just a, a monumental power, but like it, it becomes something that fundamentally changes the destiny of humanity from one where it looked like it was going to be a boot stomping on a human face forever in a concentration camp to one where the possibilities are truly endless and limitless. Like we, we could actually be free. And like, what, what does that freedom mean? And I think for all of us that have discovered this in this post nihilistic world, there, there's a, a hunger to discover what that truth means when it does blossom into the world, you know? Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and that that's a really interesting topic, and and I've spent so much time trying to, you know, because it's never happened before. We've never had this. We've never There's had arguments money. that we could say it's it's maybe happened through messianic events before, but I absolutely agree that, like, I think this is the event because, like, this is the thing that either unites humanity into one single collective, and like I use that word very loosely because we're talking about the most fundamental, monumental form of law the first single contract that like is digital money that can exist forever into the future. Or we get panopticon hell, which is the boot stomping on a human face forever. Everything is monitored. All transactions are surveilled. The very idea of freedom or independence is a non possibility. 
And so to me, like, this is, this is where stuff starts to get really kind of fucked up and eschological because I think we're actually dealing with stuff that deals with the, the absolute destiny of humanity. A hundred percent. And, and I, and I fundamentally agree with you. And I, I almost every morning I say Bitcoin or slavery and, I, I don't mean it in I, I'm not I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that uh, because, you know, the world that they want for us is a world of central bank digital currencies and all the power and control that and it's not even direct control. It's it's also self-censorship. If, if you know for a fact that if you say a certain thing and there is a government that could shut off your money, you could bet your bottom dollar that a large portion of the population is just not going to say the certain thing because. They're just acting in their best interest. Oh, my camera went out. I will be back in 30 seconds. And I'll be back right now. There we go. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then let's talk about the the world of freedom, right? Which is the world that Bitcoin is going to enable. This rules without rulers. No one controls the monetary policy. No one can debase it. Um, it's censorship resistant, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's clear, and, and you mentioned this earlier, Eric, and I, I kind of want to double back to it. Um, you're saying that the state hasn't been able to figure it out. I don't think they can figure it out. I, I think eventually the clash is going to be insane because the reality is that, you know, specifically the Office of Foreign Asset Control, they're, they're getting to pick and choose uh, what populations are allowed to use money and what populations are not allowed to use money. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Janet Yellen isn't elected. She's she's an appointed bureaucrat, which is the crazy part. Um, they already put an open source developer in jail without bail, I might add. And SBF is roaming free. Uh, maybe it's perhaps he donated to the right political parties. Who knows? Right. But clearly, you know, these are the well entrenched forces that we're fighting against. And I don't think an open monetary network or mon open monetary network like Bitcoin and a system that the U.S. government currently has the world using, right, which is you know, this weaponized dollar system, I don't think both can coexist. I think eventually there's going to be a clash and eventually one will win. Um, and I think it's going to be very scary during that transition, I, I don't. I think Bitcoin wins at the end. I, I'm 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 very bullish on the incentives of Bitcoin. I, I don't think they can match those incentives, but sure. I think that they can make our lives hell, man. I, I really believe yeah, that. I think, I think you and me, like, we're fucked. Um, like, <laughs> I and, and like, like <laughs> that we're like in the same gulag camp. You know, like I like hang out. We we have these conversations that'll just you know be about who's gonna get the last slice of bread for the next three days. Um, you know, and I say that tongue in cheek, but like that, that is a truly terrifying thing. And uh, I, I have a piece that I haven't published yet called uh, Name, Names, Anons, and Nims. And one of the final pieces that I wrote for Crypto Sovereignty was the theory of the crypto partisan, which is, is it's an extension of Carl Schmitt's political theory. And essentially that like the partisan becomes like the key player in war because like we now exist in a globalized state of total war. And in that globalized state of total war, like the partisan's the only one who can actually struggle in any meaningful way against powers that are magnitudes more powerful than them. And like, oh, like, check it out. Like, lo and behold, we have this like special way to communicate with each other when asymmetric power is against us called cryptography. And it can ensure a way that we can actually organize ourselves without being known. And so like, I actually think as like insane panopticon reality plays itself out, there's essentially going to be 
a revolutionary collective of Anans who won't know each other or what they're doing. And they'll be operating in tandem to essentially deploy much more powerful methodologies of being able to use encryption, communication networks, browsers, uh, a, a, a really radical kind of hacktivism that I think eventually assembles itself into some sort of revolutionary organization. Um, you know, or we just turn all of it political immediately and like head straight on at it, which I don't think is that crazy of an idea considering where we're at and what's going on. Um, you know, like the fact that we, <laughs> like the fact that we just want a money that like isn't debased all the time, like making the world's global poor, like poor, you know, like so, somehow like we're the bad guys. <laughs> Like, Dude, like clown world, man. It, it is clown world, but it, it's so. And Naim Bukele wrote an amazing article, right? Uh, for don't drink the elite's Kool Aid, and he made the 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 best argument, right? He's like these people. It's like not only do they control the world's armies, not only do they control the money supply, you know, whatever, but they control the truth. And you know, of the last two years, Eric, one of the one of the things that worried me the most, man is how many people bought into the propaganda. Because you know for a fact, once that propaganda machine turns, right, and says, that Bitcoin thing, that's demon money. You know, that's bad. That's bad for you. They're already trying to do this saying it's bad for the planet, right? It's I don't think it's as successful as they thought it would be. But still, man, it, it, it blows my mind how many people have just outsourced critical thinking? You know, it's just like, I, I, don't, I don't get to think. I'm happy with the bread and circuses. Let me give, give me my Netflix. Give me my stimmy check. Give me my government mandated health care. And, you know, I would love your central bank digital currency. And, you know, of course, it's, it's, it's obvious. It's like Bitcoin is just better, better incentives is better for everybody. But I think what I've come to learn the last two years, Eric, is that some people just like govern me harder, daddy. Like they just, they, they just, they like to be, they like to be ruled, man. You know, I, yeah, I, I you know, look like, uh, the idea of a slave mentality, like, isn't like, it's not a crazy idea. Like it being free is a hard thing. Like making those choices for yourself is difficult. And, you know, I know many people that, when you approach them with difficult problems and ask them to think for themselves, they, they get really uncomfortable with that, you know, and, and we're, we're taught for a very, you know, since kindergarten that the correct answer is the truth. Like that, that's all that we need and that we don't need all this other thinking stuff to go on. We just need to have the right answer. And that's really what the sort of latent authoritarianism that, that permeates all of society gives us is, you know, a population of people that don't, you know, you, you don't think the government's good. They, they help us. They're good people. They want the best for others. So we, we should just listen to them, you know, and uh, I, I empathize with it, but it's really when you start asking yourself and questioning, like truly questioning, not like trying to find an answer, but being like, why does this happen? Like, why do we just blow up brown people in Yemen? Like, is that a good thing? Like, what, like, why do we just create money and hand that to be like, these are all really important questions that you have to be self compelled by because if you're not like that, like what's the fucking point, you know, like, uh, 
Uh, I feel, and this is why I love this bear market, like, fuck all of these Bitcoin financiers. Like, go, like, I'm really happy that you're wrecked and you destroyed your life leveraging Bitcoin, because that's what you fucking deserve. Like, you had Bitcoin. You had it. And then you fucked that up because you could get, ooh, a 3 or 8% yield. Like, you fucking moron. And, like, particularly people that lost their whole bag with that, like, I don't know what to fucking say. Like, you had the perfect money and you leveraged it for more because you were fucking greedy and now you don't have any. I hope that you get some Bitcoin back and you don't leverage it this time and that you realize that doing what Bitcoin does all by itself should be more than enough and you should be happy with that. And you don't need to go play this stupid leverage game. So, you know, it, it, it's, uh, yeah. And like, I, I personally, like, I'm not interested in, you know, the 90% slave population. Like, we're not going to be friends. We don't think or see the same way. Like, we're not going to have a, a good conversation. And, and that's fine, but like, leave me the fuck alone, you know? And that's, that's yeah. why I have Bitcoin is because you're not going to leave me the fuck alone. You're going to try to steal from me and you're going to try to take my stuff. You're going to try to call me a criminal. And you're going to say the way that I practice spirituality and religion is bad and that we can't have those sort of people. Or, oh, guess what? We've, we've done this whole thing fucking before. Like that's what the whole 20th century was, was genocide saying those people over there are doing bad shit and we don't like them. They, we can't have them having their separate thoughts, their separate God, their separate idea. Hey, maybe we should just fucking kill them and take all their shit and then call it ours. And like that happened again and again and again in the fucking 20th century. And it's outrageous that now that we actually have a form of property that can't be taken from us, that these people are saying that that's the bad thing. You know, like uh, we can't have dialogue. So... The, those but, people, I, I hope they figure it out on their own. But if they don't want to ask sincere questions about the nature of our reality and why shit is fucked up, like we, we can't go anywhere. But is that so, it, you know, if as long as there's public schooling, right, and the, you know, I'm not going to get into the details about what's happening recently, but clearly, you know, you look at public schooling and. I, what I see is indoctrination. It's not really teaching, you know, what you and I both know, right? Which is the state, the nation state was the biggest mass murder of the 20th century, hands down. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at all the atrocities, my camera keeps overheating because of the lights. If you look at all the, if you look at all the atrocities, you know, whether that's, you know, Stalin, uh, Hitler, uh, Mao Zedong, like if you look at them, uh, Pol Pot, like holy the killing fields, Cambodia, right? Uh, North Korea, Cuba, like it, it's like, it, it's just, it's over and over and over and over and over and over and, and over again. And I don't think that people are really going to pay attention to these things unless they're taught it, unfortunately. Like we, we don't have a critical thinking society. And I think that as long as people are outsourcing the education of their children to the state, I think you're just going to keep getting statists, even if, even if they don't really know their status at heart, which is, I think is the whole tragic part about it as well. Yeah. Like I, you know, the, those people and, and like the panopticons absolutely happening. Like they're, that, that's coming and we're not stopping it. The question is, is, will we have a separate area of life carved out for ourselves where we actually have autonomy and independence or will we be integrated into that thing unwillingly? You know, and, and I really hope that we can carve out autonomous districts, you know, and hopefully full on nation states that recognize and 
protect a different way of life because yeah like it the the very idea of what education is like it it, it it's just a concept like I, I have an article on my blog called the pedagogy of bitcoin where where i talk about like the it is a pedagogical tool. We have to like you need Bitcoin and you need to understand Bitcoin because of the way it empowers you. Like it's not about making a bunch of money or something. It's about like if you are a sex worker and a cop busts you, he's going to steal all your fucking money. And that's bad. You know, like if you are a minority in an oppressed country like Burma, like you should have fucking Bitcoin because chances are they're going to come after you like one of these genocides that happened over and over and over. You know, like it's uh and again, testifying to the crazy ass place that we're in, like I, I find it amazing that liberals aren't way more hard up on Bitcoin for the way that it empowers individuals that are normally oppressed by the state, you know, and, and uh, I, I find it very strange that they would just rather seek the state's protection than find methods to protect themselves outside of the state. But I guess that's like the same idea with gun ownership and other things, so. <laughs> and honestly, I, I don't know if and, and I've started to notice that pattern, too. Um, was it really always about power? And I know that there, I know I have liberal friends that, you know, you know, progressive Bitcoiners, shout out to them. You know, so it's not a monolith. Right. Mm -hmm. But Bitcoin does have a tendency of exposing people's incentives. Right. Yeah. Um, and again, it's not a monolith and I'm sure there's people, you know, on, on the more conservative right side that, you know, hate Bitcoin for the same reasons. Um, but why do you think that is? Was it, was it hijacking noble causes in order to achieve certain goals? And then just kind of Bitcoin exposes the incentives. Like, for example, I'll give an example because there, there are Democratic, there are, you know, like Senator Gillibrand that signed up with Senator, Senator Lummis. So I just want to emphasize it's not monolithic. But for the case of Elizabeth Warren, right, you know, supposedly Elizabeth Warren was, is for the little guy, you know, because that's what, you know, that whole, that that's her whole platform, right? She was... She was behind, you know, the Wall Street movement. And then if you look at her biggest donors, <laughs> it happens to be those same people. Um, and if she's supposed to be for the little guy, right, Bitcoin is the savior because it protects the little guy from the ravages of inflation. And inflation is is the worst thing that could happen to the lower and middle classes that don't have the means to save in assets, Right. They, they save and earn in cash. Right. They just get stolen from like, you know, and, and they're just kind of like whatever. And then the Biden bill. Right. And again, not to be guys, you guys know the Jill we're, deal. We're neutral on simply Bitcoin. I just, I just think it's hilarious that the that the Biden bill, the info, it, they literally called it the Inflation Reduction Act, had language in the bill <laughs> that printed more money. <laughs> So, like, how does that work, dude? It's just so ridiculous at this point. These people are politicians because they weren't going to be successful at other things. You know, like that that's the same reason why they prostitute out our republic to collect dollars for themselves so that like they can get reelected because they, they can't make that money on their own. They don't have that ability. So, like in my mind, like the these are all pretty like mid-witty kind of people who like think they're geniuses. And and like that's why we're on the precipice of the largest financial catastrophe that that looks like it ever. Um, 
And like these people don't see it coming. It's the same reason why the people at the Fed were telling us not to worry about inflation in 2021. It, 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 like it, it's all part of this general absurdity where their egos are and hubris is so great at this point in time that like they can't even self-reflect in any meaningful way. And again, this kind of brings us back full circle. Like that's what fucking evil is. Like it has no ability to be able to self-reflect on what's before them. Like all they can do is do their shitty reasoning that grapples to a bunch of different authoritarian ideas and mashes it together in some fucked up puzzle that doesn't work. And like, that's why the world's such a clusterfuck, you know? And, and it all ties back to the fact that like, we operate from a place where truth is not about the process of unveiling what the truth is. It's about authoritarian decrees that people believe to be true. And so Elizabeth Warren does believe she's for the, the little guy and has good reasons for why she takes money from the big bank and why she has to fly on her private jet to environmental conventions. Like, I, I don't know what to say. Like, fuck these people. They're evil. They like they can't think we can't reason with them. And like, again, like I I'm not interested in oppressing or hurting them. I just want to be let the fuck alone. Like, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want to share in a republic with you. I don't want to be part of a political organization with you. I don't want to believe the bullshit that you tell me about voting makes a difference. Absolutely fuck voting. It makes no difference whatsoever. Is the world today different than it was before fucking November 6th or whatever bullshit? No. So, like, it's all a product of this remedial midwitism that gets celebrated in a consumerist world where you have to believe that, you know, we can have a money that can be printed to infinity and hold its value. So does that, so does that, and again, it's kind of, you know, going back to like, or in, in the, the very beginning of our conversation, that type of thinking is only enabled with a fiat money printer. If they yeah. didn't have a fiat money printer, the economic reality of that type of thinking would hit them so hard that it would just, you know, Jordan Peterson's awesome line, right? Which he says, uh, you could bend reality, you know, very far and, you know, you can get away with it for a long time, but eventually that thing snaps back, right, right, right back in yeah. its place. Are we in the process of this? You know, as human beings, we're we're kind of you know we're mortal, and we, in the grand scheme of things, we don't live very long. Um, are we just in this process of you know the theory, the great the theory of the fourth turning, which I'm a big fan of, where you know weak men created hard times, hard times created strong men, strong times created good men. Are we in this kind of in time where we can? have created strong time. I mean, hard times and we're in the process of those hard times. And then those hard times yeah. are breeding hardcore Bitcoin maxis that are fighting. the well, good we're, fight. we're at the start of hard times, you know, like mm. this, is, this is the beginning of a, a, a 20 year cycle in my opinion, in addition to like, it's not just the, the turning cycles, but like there's like four or five different cycles that are all like all lining up right now, which has me pretty convinced that like, we're actually at the end of the Kali Yuga cycle, which is like, where we get the farthest away that we possibly can from truth, i.e. fiat. And that like now we're passing that midnight hour where like Bitcoin is just the tiniest glimmer of light from the new dawn that will be established as we move towards it, you know? And it it's pretty powerful and revolutionary because also like we're, we're now talking about setting up a, a social contract for all of the future forever, 
Like this is for all of humanity that isn't even here yet, the future ones, you know? And I think realizing the true task before us to establish an incorruptible money for all of humanity, to me, like this is where shit starts to get really wild. And that like, I do actually believe it's a spiritual task. Like, I think this is a literally a messianic power that was delivered to us for, you know, like I think Satoshi, whomever or whatever he was had, a spiritual experience that unveiled what Bitcoin was to him so he could just create it and do it. You know, the way that he presented it so magnificently and artfully, uh, like I, I personally believe that he, he is the greatest artist who ever lived because of the way he presents his art so exceptionally and the way that he also descends into his own name as being a legend that created only one piece of art and then vanished from the world to make it the most valuable thing that's ever existed. Like, my God, like what, what a profound action of creating truth in the world. A hundred percent. It, it, he, he, it, it, and he anchors that <clears throat> via proof of work, right? It, it anchors yes. Bitcoin to the, to the, to the reality, to the realm Right to to the to meet space. Right? Well, and what what he did is just as Prometheus stole fire from their gods to give it to man for freedom, Satoshi stole the new fire, electricity, data, and gave that to humanity to free us as well from the old gods. You know, and it, and it's profound because like the what this means for humanity and the potentiality going forward means that like we can truly live. We can exist privately and for ourselves and ourselves alone, not to be entities controlled and owned by governments as subjects, but truly self-sovereign individuals who own themselves, their futures, and dignify one another and saying, I love and respect you enough to recognize that you need to have Bitcoin as your core money. And if Bitcoin isn't your core money, you, you're likely my enemy. It's not to say it's clear, but if you're not using Bitcoin, I ought to be suspicious of you and why, mm -hmm. you know? And yep. to me, like, this is what crypto is about, is don't come to me with your bullshit that you're promising. If you have real value to offer, tell me about it. And I do think that there are projects out there that, that can do that, but prove yourself to me. I am uninterested in your dialogue about what that could be, you know? And, and, and I think particularly in the world that we're going into, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to be orthodoxal about dejecting people. I think everybody has flirted with shitcoinery. And I also think a lot of people are in shitcoinery for good and noble reasons that hopefully after they get absolutely hammer fucking wrecked on something that they will go, oh, okay, th this is why Bitcoiners are saying that. Come to our side. We want to help you. We need more allies. You know, bring, bring your knowledge, bring your pursuit, but re remember why you're here and why you got wrecked. So uh, I think that's just an important part to remember because where we're going, we need all of the allies that we can get. A hundred percent. So let's talk about that, right? Let's talk about that world. I, I, I'm I'm a hundred percent sure you read the Sovereign Individual. Um, what's that world going to look like? I'm well familiar with it, but I didn't read it. Okay, interesting. Um, but I, I and I and I was who who did I say this with? Oh, it was Matt Hill, CEO of Start Nine, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bitcoiners all kind of reach we all take different paths and different roads, but we inevitably come to very similar conclusion in all this, right? This is very, the fact that you can memorize 12 words in your mind and you could store millions, billions, trillions of dollars without the fear of debasement or censorship fundamentally changes the relationship between individuals and the state. It, 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 yes. 
Full stop. That's it. That's all you need to know. Uh, that's literally. Yeah. Well, that's that it. has like metaphysical significance in our world like that. That that is something truly extraordinary, because like now we're talking about the actual transcendence of statism, which, as we can tell, is an extremely pernicious disease that has pushed out its fiat mm -hmm. imperialism everywhere. And like, it's very important to understand that, like, there, there are six billion people in the world that live on pretty much fucking nothing because of the other two billion. Like, this is this is a very very clear and dynamic relationship that most people are unaware of. And it's because of how the fiat monetary system works. It was great to see the prime minister of Italy recently pointing out the fucking monetary colonialism that France keeps, you know, half of Africa under. It's sickening. And like the, these are the same people that come and try to lecture us about why voting is good, why their bill needs to pass and why they need to give more money to other people. You know, I'm like, again and again, I have to point out like these people are just liars. And like, and it's not because they're misintentioned. It's because they actually believe what they're saying because they're fucking stupid. And like, and I'm not trying to sit over here and say that we're smart, but we're not as fucking dumb as they are because we can see through and at least say to ourselves, well, shit, this doesn't make any fucking sense. And they go, well, shut up and just do what we say. Dude. And then my, my favorite, my favorite line is, uh, is democracy. Democracy, this democracy, that democracy, this democracy, that. And they say it with the most insidious and sinister intentions because they know they could manipulate a good portion of the population with the free money, right? Which sure. we know isn't free. Um, so of course they're fans with of course they're fans of democracy. <laughs> that but, would but be like, too. This is just like such a dumbass argument. Like if we're such a fan of democracy, why the fuck don't former prisoners get the vote? What about all the other illegal people that are in the country? Why don't they get that? Like, there's so many fucking disjunctions here, and like, including like, what if we just vote to kill a small class of people? Like, how about that? Can we just vote in genocide? You know, like it's important to remember that like Hitler was fucking elected. You know, like he didn't just like roll into power and be like, ha ha, it's his power. No, like people really liked what he was saying. And it's important to remember that, like, these things don't, like, all of these genocides, it wasn't just like, and one day he, like, showed up and started shooting people. No, like, there's, like, a long chain of history that logically has people come to these conclusions where they go, well, yeah, maybe we should actually kill a small population of people. And the question is, is you're that guy that they're saying, hey, fuck him, kill him and take his shit. What are you going to fucking do? Are you going to be fucked and find that you're one of the many people that were killed in another one of these genocides? Or you actually have 12 words in your head. So when you cross the border and they steal all this shit from you and maybe rape you, that you at least get out to the other fucking side and you have some way to rebuild your life. You know, and I, I, I don't know. Like, we, we live in fucking bizarro world. And I think that it's insane to me that you can't look at what Bitcoin is and, and, and like, put those things together. I don't know. I think I've just been hanging out down here too long, you know, and so, like, other Bitcoiners show up. They're like, "Hey, like, how how's life in the rabbit home? Like, what? what oh, like, we're like still in here. Oh, Jesus! It, it gets so bad that you start to like. For example, I my fiat friends. I like, you know, I grew up with a lot of them, and you know, but they're operating on a totally different operating system, man. They're so yeah, you, you struggle that to, to like. I don't know, man. Like, I've been here for a while and watched this. It's, it, it is a, a really bizarre thing, you know? Because, like, I wasn't all woo-woo, and I was, like, pretty, you know, like, like uh, agnostic for a long time there. And, like, being part of what's going on here has, has really changed me in a, in a pretty 
radical way. And at first I was just like, well, I'm kind of crazy. Like maybe this is just my own shit. But then like I, I meet all these other people who are like, yeah, I like discovered Bitcoin and like lost my fucking mind. Now like I'm <laughs> building all this cool stuff. And like, if it happened like three or four times, maybe, but like after, like after uh, like the Bitcoin 2020 conference, just like, you know, it, it's almost like I'm running like some kind of a confessional where like people, you know, like I know other people that have this, this too, where like people share their crazy Bitcoin story with you and like why it's so meaningful to them. And again, like living in a post nihilistic hellscape, like the the rediscovery of the truth of being, you know, that like we are our own higher power and that we can come to rescue ourselves like is like that's the fundamental event where we rescue ourselves from the nihilistic hell that seems to be destroying us. A hundred percent. And I, and like one of the, one of the, I said this at Pacific Bitcoin too, like one, one of the tragedies is that people continue to seek a political solution and um, that's never going to fix anything. The incentives will never be aligned as long as the people that you're supposedly voting into positions of power are also the people benefiting from the free money. Right. So they're, they're, they'll never be incentivized to, to go against their interest, their own power. Right. Um, why yeah. would they do that? You know? So like it, it, it really, the, the only conclusion that I've reached Eric is you just have to opt out like that. That's how we're actually going to effectuate change in this situation. And it's very simple. Just take your Bitcoin, put it into cold storage and that defunds them. Like they need you. And, and yeah. that's what that's what they don't tell you, right? It's, they need they need, it's like as if they they're like this vampire and they need to suck your life force, really, because that's what inflation really does. But what if a 20%, 30% of the population said no? It would collapse under its own weight. They couldn't pay for things. Yeah, I mean, my, my most recent article that was uh in this most recent uh Bitcoin magazine, like it's called the political. And, and that's what this is about. Like Bitcoin is the political because it's beyond politics. Like, like this is something that truly changes the world in a revolutionary and meaningful way. And it's something that like only you can do, you know, like, like the, this door to freedom is meant for you alone, you know? And, and like, and it's not, it's not for the ill of heart. Like you said at the beginning of this, we've watched 70% of our net worth evaporate. You know, and like my response is, is like, do another fucking 70 percent if it gets rid of all these goddamn shills and finance boys, because fuck them. Like, I'm, I'm completely uninterested in sharing the space with them. Like, if, if you get that there's something more revolutionary going on here. Great. But it seems like you just fucked up a lot of this for us with all this unwanted leverage and bullshit of of not holding your keys, which is great that now that there is. The idea of not your keys, not your coin has become so resounding loud that it cannot be denied anymore. And to me, like, this is truly what the political is. It is the discovery that holding your money as a self-sovereign individual unlocks a totally new world where people are actually self-sovereign in a meaningful way. And the state is limited in a meaningful way. Because, like... Look, the, the, the money supply has shrank 3%, and this is the worst global recession that's ever happened. You get 4% of the global population on Bitcoin, everything collapses. And, like, does this mean anarchy? 
Absolutely. And to be clear, anarchy does not mean chaos. It's the restoration of real order. And that's a world that I'm excited to see come into fruition. So let's use the last part of the show. We have about 15, 20 minutes left. Let's talk about that world, right? Um, Because I, I, for example, Eric, I have a hard time picturing that world because I don't think it's ever existed before. There's always been a sovereign. There's always been a state, right? Um, the Romans did the same thing. They debased the currency, right? They, they, they did literally the exact same thing. So I don't think we've ever been, lived in a society where even the poorest individual has the ability to earn and keep all his property, what yeah. will that world look like and how will that change the relationship between state and individual? Of course, sovereign individual makes the case. And I know, and look, guys, the reality is there's two types of utopias, right? There's the collectivist utopia, right? Which is we're all equal, you know, uh, to, to each, you know, uh, to each benefit, whatever that saying is, right? Each according to their own, to each according to their need. There we go. Thank you, Eric. And there's a libertarian <laughs> utopia, Right. And both are fucking utopias. Um, both are not real. Um, I mean, there's a reason that anarchism and communism were were at one point in time a single movement. And it was only after Marx had presented the Communist Manifesto that the leader of the anarchist faction, Bakun, showed up and he was like, the fuck is this nonsense? <laughs> he was like, well, you, we're, we're going to have like a dictatorship of the proletariat to like, you know, overthrow the, the state, right? And Bakun was yeah. like, no, you fucking moron. With like... We're absolutely against the state. Like we, this can't be done with the state in any way. You fucking dipshit. And so at that point, they they split directions, and anarchist kind of became its own scattered movement. Uh, and like I think what we're moving into is going to look much more like anarcho syndicalism, which is a movement that we've seen successful in places like revolutionary Spain. Um, but the other is is that like the tools that we have for like waging a partisan war, like on guerrilla fronts, it's so fucking powerful. Cause like, not only do we have all these advanced forms of cryptography, but like with 3d weapons printing, like the, the cost to be able to build on a, a, a standing militia becomes m- marginal compared to what it used to be. Not to mention you have now broken all of those chains in the supply line process that made it so difficult that like, m- you can literally start up your own weapons manufacturing area with just a couple 3d printers and, and a little bit of know-how, you know? So like all of this changes the world in a, in a very, very radical way. Like you said, that we haven't ever seen before. And so like trying to predict any of it to me is so far out of there. And like, I don't, and that's one of the reasons why when people are like, well, what comes after democracy? Like, I don't know. Like we don't, we don't have the answer to that question yet. And we have to allow for the clearing of the open to truly present itself to see what what we need, you know, because like the other thing is, is like it's clear that there's a crisis on all sorts of fronts, you know, most particularly on the food front. We really need to, to keep ourselves focused and figure out, like, how, how do we feed a world with the population that it is? How do we provide for ourselves and how do we get all these chemicals and shit out of our food, which yeah. hopefully this all provides a solution towards. And I think it will. Um, but. You know, it's fascinating because at the end of the day, there are going to be people in charge. There are going to be people in power, right? The question is, is it is it going to be based on productivity, right? 
because I, I really think that's what Bitcoin does on a fundamental level, right? It, it insulates the free market, insulates individuals from politics. So if it, in, it insulates individuals from politics and it allows the free market to determine the best, you know, um, the most efficient, most effective, is it going to be the productive class in power? Like in, is it going to be them? Um, and how will that look like? Right. And then what will the unproductive like class? Yeah, go ahead. I, I wouldn't even call it the unproductive class. Cause like the, this is all, this is all related to that educational thing. So like the literally like what's going to happen is that uh, like a free market solution is going to like punish and reeducate people accordingly. Cause like, look like even the dumbest of people can, can like figure out how a free market works. It's like, Oh, like, I have an apple tree, like people like apples or like gather the apples and like sell them, like check it out. Like I have a business, like I'm productive. Like that's not hard, you know? And it's only with the perniciousness of fiat that like the, the idea of free handouts of having uh, uh, of the superiority of capital over labor, you know, like all of these things are getting normalized. And again, because Satoshi being the perfect artist, he like fused this form of money, like into the true potentiality of work, i.e. energy. You know, and hopefully like this unlocks a deflationary spiral that allows for us to essentially start producing more energy that then now that we have access to cheap energy, we start new manufacturing process. New manufacturing process is discovered that lowers the cost of building this thing. We now have shitloads of more energy. We can produce more energy. And, you know, I'm like, it just keeps going until like now we have these hyper rail cannons that we can like use to shoot shit in the space for like five Satoshis each in 2021, you know, or in 2121. Man. Um, I really like the way that you put that, um, because it's, again, it, it all kind of comes back to the broken incentives caused by fiat. Um, so do you think it's possible in, you know, under a Bitcoin set, have you ever seen the series, uh, the expanse? Yeah. It's a sci-fi great, series. Great okay. So it, it is a great show. Um, and do you see how Earth is kind of their their interpretation of the future of Earth? It's just a one world government run by the United Nations, and the unemployment rate is like forty percent. Um, and under a Bitcoin world with hyper Bitcoinization, everybody win. You you get are you familiar with the Moon is a harsh mistress? Moon is a harsh mistress. No, I have not heard that expression. It's like a, it's about like an anarchist colony like that forms on the moon and like it's, it's a fucking hard life. And like I look like I think like the next hundred years is going to be like pretty rough and screwed up. And that like on and that like like this all essentially like goes into like an insane like hyper civil war that involves like humanity against like AI communist robots and shit. And like it all literally becomes astrological like it's going to be fucking batshit crazy. And I don't mean that like angels and demons come flying down, but like we'll literally be dealing with like the soul of humanity and whether or not like man gets to like be a free individual who like uses Bitcoin or if like, he's going to be like a gimp transhuman slave that is like genetically modified to be like a weak cattle that like plugs himself into their matrix that like jacks them up with fucking dopamine and shit. And like, is literally incapable of having aggressive thought, you know? And like, like that's how fucking crazy and fucked up this place goes because like, sorry like that's just like what's in the cards and then i think yeah. after that 
I think stuff's going to get like pretty cool. And like, you know, now everybody has like all these small communal farms that like, you know, the drone wars are over and have been like fundamentally forbidden. And like that technology doesn't happen anymore. And that like all of the AI is like walled off into like cryptographic coifers of some kind. Like, I don't fucking know, but like, it's going to be like, it's definitely going to be like the craziest cypherpunk future that we could have like never imagined, even when thinking about it. So the world that we grew up in, right? 1990s, 1980s, right? Um, early 2000s, right? That, that vision of, of, uh, of American life, uh, it's gone, right? It was, it was, it was a good, yeah. uh, it was a good 40, 50 years, I guess. I mean, it was called the American dream because like it literally was like a phantomagoric vision that we got from living on a fiat standard that imperialized the rest of the world, you know? And like, and it's too bad because like Fukuyama was right. Like we were at the end of history and like we could have totally like taken the ring of power and like hucked it into the volcano and like liberated <laughs> the world. But no, we were like, yeah. You know, like <laughs> now... Now that's where we're at. And it's too yeah. bad. So, yeah. And so, uh, essentially the United States is evil Frodo. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and, and it, it falls, it is, but, and I, and I said this to Matt Hill yesterday, man, were the founding fathers fucking smart, bro. <laughs> like the fact yes. that they figured out the first amendment and the second amendment and they put them where they put them, um, just tells me that their experience with tyranny was so bad that they were just like, yeah, we're going to put these number one and number two just to make goddamn sure that even if they take power, uh, you know, it makes it incredibly difficult for them to to keep it right, because it's been kind of in, 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 ingrained in 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 people in the United States. And that's something that I really appreciate. You know, I, I'm a first generation immigrant, man. I came from a country that fell to collectivism, you know, Venezuela. And you come to the United States and look, <laughs> people don't appreciate the freedom they have here, but there is a, a there is this free spirit um, that I think even as big as the administrative state, some people call it the deep state has been due to, you know, the unlimited power of the fiat money printer think that American spirit for freedom and, you know, the pursuit of excellence, entrepreneurship and independence, I don't think that thing could be killed, man. And I think that Bitcoin is going to unleash it. And it, I can't wait for that. And, and I'm, and you know what, maybe it's naive of me, maybe it's stupid of me, but I still haven't lost hope in, uh, in, in the U.S. and in America. No, look, look like Americanism. Fuck yeah. Like, like uh, I think Americans are some of the most entrepreneurial, thoughtful and different sort of thinking of people because of that heritage that we've had. Like it, you know, even though we are at the end of a long chain of abuses, particularly internationally and, you know, in the last 70 years, more more localized. Uh, idea of what Americanism is and what it represents is like a really important feature that I do think pulling that up from its very roots and founding fathers represented in what they said. And like, by the way, you know, like all the Federalist papers where they debated about the Constitution, like 
those were wrote by literal fucking anons at the time. Like they they wrote under pseudonyms. It wasn't like, oh, I'm James Madison. No, because like they knew what their writing was, you know, like a, a pretty contentious thing. So they needed to have what they said speak for itself. And that's really important in light of what's going on because like those are the same debates that we're having now. And what I really see with Bitcoin is like, there's an opportunity to be able to truly spread that spirit of what mm-hmm. Americanism can be in its deepest sense of, of what it is through the means of Bitcoin, which essentially is kind of this this new manifest destiny, this new opportunity yes. for everybody to colonize the digital together and to utilize that as an anchor point for them to liberate themselves from the fiat hell, which eventually does become our world. You know, and then hopefully in like the year 2200, like our great grandchildren will be like, God, did, did you know that my granddad, he was part of class of 2015? They'll be like, holy shit. Really? <laughs> like before even the Constitution was written. And they're like, I know, I know. Yeah. Oh, it's like, man. wow. And they're like, so do you, like, do you have And they'll be like, yes. Yeah, it's been my family for like 100 years. You know, like there was, there was a big contentious thing that happened. That we had to we had to go to the Bitcoin priests and get the the key issue resolved, but eventually we were able to divvy up the fortune in a meaningful way with a hefty donation to the church. Man, those guys like, and that'll be like the next form of corruption. Like, is the there'll be like a, a Satoshi church where like people pass around private keys to help facilitate death events and other things, but they'll become corrupt too at some point. I can't wait for the, the, you know, I have portraits of like Washington, you know, Madison and Benjamin Franklin and all that. I, I really believe that, you know, the, the Bitcoiners class of 2013, class of 2017, class of 2020, I think, um, you know, in all our family's houses, you're going to have the, the first stacker. And uh, I just have a request. I, I kind of want to look like those old school paintings, man. Like I want it to be like an oil painting and, uh, you know, like serious face. And I don't know. What, what, what would you prefer? What you want? Like modern uh, art? Yeah. No, no. I'll get, a, I'll get a nice oil painting of myself overlooking overlooking the coast. You know, I'm like maybe like there's like a private keys like wrote deeply in there for one of my i'm gonna like make all these like fucked up puzzles for my ancestors <laughs> like, like grandpa casey he had like shitloads of bitcoin and so he like made these crazy puzzles and like a lot of times they're, like, they're like open it and there's like no money there oh man um really enjoyed this man this was uh yeah was this great. was uh quite a journey down the rabbit hole um thank you so much for uh for coming on uh, where can people find you and uh, what are you working on nowadays? Uh, best place to find me is just my Twitter handle, Eric Kaysen, Eric with a K. Um, then you'll be able to find a, a, a link, hopefully. Uh, I have a website called CryptoSovereignty.org where I have a bunch of essays on philosophy and social commentary around Bitcoin published, which we are now, I'm working with Bitcoin Magazine to, to make it into a book. So I should have a book release next year. Um yeah, and, and now I'm actually working on the reason that I'm publishing this book is because uh, I'm working on my second book, which is really an adaptation of Heidegger's event, according to Bitcoin, because essentially I think Bitcoin is the event. And using Heidegger's concourse of thought, I think that there's a really good method to be able to present about like why people keep having this crazy experience that transforms their life through Bitcoin. Um, which I think like is the event of people coming to 
the logical conclusion of like what is the only way you can achieve self-sovereignty like in our world which again becomes the event absolutely man i'm really excited for that work um eric i appreciate you coming on man thank you so much um yeah backstage while i wrap this up thanks man all right put you backstage for a second while i wrap this up uh guys uh we'll be back tomorrow um I'm at my girlfriend's place, so I will have working internet. Um, I'm sorry that the internet went down at my house. We'll be back. Regular show, 12.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm going to roll out the credits, and uh, I will see you guys tomorrow.